You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you by McDonald's. On today's episode, we're getting back to it, a Fan Friday episode. Dustin Newman at Highlight. Ute on Twitter joins myself and Jay Catch. We talk a little bit about the season so far with Dustin, what he's liked, what he's uh, felt, and and how he's changed throughout it because of everything going on. And then we talk a little bit about his history as a Utah fan, and finally get to some Oregon State breakdowns. A really really fun episode. Tune in for this one. Dustin is fantastic, and I think you're all going to really enjoy this one. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for October twenty second, twenty twenty one. Welcome to the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every day. We have a special episode here. I'm excited about this one. We started doing Fan Fridays a little bit here, and then the scheduling and and acquisitions and everything like that kind of disrupted it for a little bit there. But we're back on track, and I'm really excited about this one. Uh, One of the – I will will call you a legend in Utah podcasting history. Uh, (laughs) I'll, I'll take it. I wouldn't go that far, but I will take that. Yeah. So at Highlights Ute is his name on Twitter, but we know him here as Dustin Newman. Dustin, welcome to Locked On Utes. Super excited to have you and, and talk some football and whatever else Utes related that comes up today. Thank you, man. It's been years since I was in a podcast chair and in front of a microphone, and I, I can't thank you enough, especially this season with everything that's been going on. I've just been itching to get back in front of a microphone, and I, I, can't, I can't thank you enough for giving me the chance. So I think that's a good place to start. Let's let's. Oh, and I should also recognize the fact that the legendary Jay Catch is joining us. Presence accounted for. Uh, I'm I, I'm here. Uh, I'm hanging on. You know, but present. It's been, it's. That's by the way, folks. It's been a few weeks. It's been a crazy few weeks. So I'm happy to be here. It has. It's been fun to to kind of mix things up a little bit, and it's forced me out of my comfort zone. I think I've told everybody at some point in time that having Jake as a co-host is the best gig ever because you just show up and he makes you look great. Uh, you are the John Stockton of podcasting. Now I have my Stockton and Malone. So as the uh, Adam Keefe of, of this podcast, I'm super excited to be playing with some Hall of Famers for once. The Adam Keefe, I, I can dig. I, I'd, I'd run with uh, Greg Ostertag. He, he gets overlooked, but if, if you look at his stat line in the in the John Stockton sends Utah Jazz to the NBA Finals game, he played a big part in that, and it's all it's overlooked. I would probably crumple if Shaq slapped me too. So we definitely <laughs> have both of those things in common. Um, so let's start off with this season. I think that's a great place to start. You know, we try to d- get to know people a little bit, but I think this has been such an unusual Utah season. So. Dustin, like as you've watched this season and, and gone through the ups and downs, where are you at right now in terms of, of, of being a fan? You know, are you happy? Are you elated? What's the feeling and what's the vibe? You know, this this season has been a really big wake up call. I, I'm the type of person that I get really high, I get really low. You no, know, earlier in the season, especially during the the BYU game, I was I was sending tweets that Utah was going to struggle to go four and eight this year. Just 
it, everything looked really, really bad. I, there were reasons, but everything looked really bad. But with everything that's been going on and with how this team has responded, it's, it's kind of evened me out a little bit. But with that being said, I'm really high on where the team is right now. Uh, you've seen the depth that this team has and how they've responded. Freshmen that have stepped up when they've had injuries in key places. You know, you have injuries at the safety position and Latu steps up and he leads the team in tackles. You had the injury to Sewell and his and and, and uh, Reed steps up. And he leads the team in tackles. You have Solomon Enos goes down and Devon Vele leads the team in receiving two weeks in a row. Money Parks makes a play against USC. Just the, the resilience and the ability to have depth and respond is really, really impressive from this team. Well, and that's the thing, Dustin. I, I, I think you kind of nailed, I think, what the sentiment of Utah fans have been because non-conference slate, not good. Let's be frank about it. Like, you, lose, right. you lose two non-conference games for the first time since you've been in the Pac-12. I can completely understand why there were alarm bells going off in people's heads. But as you said, despite all all the other stuff that they have dealt with, Aaron Lowe's passing, all of this, they're 3-0 in the Pac-12, and they're in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 South. That's about as perfect a start to, or I guess not a perfect start, perfect rebound, I guess, is what I'm trying to say yeah. with regards to how the season has gone so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's been really, really impressive, and I'm I'm very happy with, with what's going with what's going on, and I've been really, the, the resolve of this team, you just can't say enough about it. Just, just to respond, whether it's responding to the tragedy that struck the team, responding to how they played in the first half against Arizona State and how they came out in the second half, just they're able to answer every single time that the, they've faced adversity. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but I, I trust that you can handle it. Um, okay. Do you, are you drinking the Rose Bowl Kool-Aid right now, or are you kind of staying more even keeled on it? Like I feel like there's variations right now all over the place. I'm not full on just guzzling the Rose Bowl Kool-Aid right now because looking down the line, more than likely you're going to have to beat Oregon at least once. Granted, they do look very beatable this year, but it's still Oregon. Like even in 2019, you know, even after the first drive of Oregon, it looked like Utah was going to be able to able to do it and pull it off. But that's a team that's just stacked with four and four and five star athletes. No matter how beatable they look, they're always going to be able to have the talent to just run you out of the building. So you look at the South, they're in a really, really good spot, especially if they can win the following two weeks, if they can beat Oregon state and then UCLA more than likely, I think they're going to win the South, but being able to go to a PAC 12 championship game and actually win it, Maybe it's just the last two times they've been there that's kind of holding me back a little bit, but I'm I'm cautious a little bit. But I still think it's very possible. I possibility definitely. I, I think, you know, I, I've referred to this already a few times on, on various podcasts, but I thought Bruce Feldman really summed up what Utah is best when he said Utah is is like a truth teller. So when you play Utah, they they let you know who, who the pretenders are and who the real deal teams are. And I think we saw that in twenty nineteen with Oregon. We've seen that throughout the conference that when teams I mean Arizona State's a perfect example this year, right? Come up to Rice Eccles and, and Utah puts the foot down on them and and squish you know squashes them like a bug 
And now we kind of see things. Antonio Pierce changing his profile. There's there's clearly things going on in, in, in the ether out there with Arizona State. And and none of this is surprising to me. I felt like that was gonna be, you know, kind of the 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 thing that happened eventually all along. But I wonder if this team really has crossed over to that threshold yet. And, and the biggest thing I think is just the inexperience factor. You know, you mentioned guys like Karene Reed, uh, uh, Kamoi Latu, all stepping up. We still got to remember Van Fillinger, Xavier Carlton, uh, Clark Phillips. All three of those dudes are essentially freshmen still haven't played a full 12 games yet. I mean, they're going to get there. Is it this weekend or next? I can't remember. I, I think it's this weekend. Um, but it's just like, it's crazy to, to think what, and, and I'll ask you this question. It's crazy to think where this team has gone. Do you, what do you think is this? Do you think there's a specific reason? Do you think it's kind of more just the overall evolution or, or is there kind of a blend of the two with that? I, I think what, what, what scares me the most is, like you said, they haven't played a full season yet, but we really haven't seen a full game yet. And like, like it's, it's easy to look at the Arizona state game and say, all right, they can respond. They can answer when they go down 21 to seven, but that's not always going to be possible. There's going to be times where the opposing team goes in and they make adjustments based on what they think your adjustments are going to be. And you're not going to be able to make up that difference. So Oregon state is a team that they, they, They've struggled, looked good at times. They've struggled at times, but they have really good coaching. They have a really good offensive system in place. And if Utah comes out and they play in the first half this week, like they did against Arizona State last week, it's not always easy to answer that bell at halftime week in and week out. And if you keep playing like that and you keep trying to just rely on your adjustments, you're going to get bit eventually. I, I I agree. I was just going to say, you know, I think there's a good point to be made here. You know, Cole Bishop started out against Arizona State. It seemed like that was a, a little bit of a struggle for him. They were throwing out all sorts of formations, motions, really coming out early to try and blast Utah, I think, for the exact reason that you're saying, Dustin. And then, you know, I, I thought the offense did a pretty good job of driving down, but it's it's really been the catalyst of Cam Rising. Jake, you know, you're, what do you think? Well, and that, that's the thing about it. PK earlier this week, I uh, wrote a really good column out there. I know it drew the ire of some Utah fans, but he, he made the point that deciding to go with Charlie Brewer was the wrong decision. Cam Rising should have been the guy from the get-go, and he has proven to be the engine that makes this offense just hum along. And obviously the running back situation sorting out has helped. The offensive line figuring out what they're doing has helped. But it's Cam Rising, that swagger that he plays with, it has made all all of the difference for Utah, and they look—they look just night and day different now than what they did maybe just three weeks ago. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I will kind of defend the coaching staff a little bit there because I, th- I think what gives Cam Rising that edge is that he's a gamer, that he ups his level when things get tough. And you've seen it. You saw it against San Diego State. He came in, he struggled a little bit at first, and then he kind of turned it on. The second half against Arizona State, he was night and day difference from – he looked good on the first drive against Arizona State. He was kind of off the rest of the first half. And that's really hard to see because it's really hard to recreate in camp and in practice and in scrimmages. You can't see that gamer mentality that comes from, from a player like that, that ups their game in those types of situations. So you saw against Weber state, 
why Charlie Brewer won that job. You saw in the spring game why Charlie Brewer won the job. He was extremely accurate. He was reliable. He knew he was experienced, so he knows where to go with the ball. If the team breaks the blitz, he knows, he's, he knows to attack it. That's what won him the job. You really didn't see what, what gave Cam the edge until he gets in. For sure, and I, I think the system fits Cam's game better. He understands the system better, having been there for so long, having sat up in the booth with Andy. Uh, you know, I, I think throughout fall camp, Jake and I were hearing kind of similar things, that Charlie was the most consistent. Cam was the guy who who made some big plays. And, and that's, you know, I think – I think the big thing about PK's article that's always the the hook is is the headline, right? And if you read the article, he's not trying to say like, you know, I understand what people interpret it as, but his point is like this Utah football team is good enough to win the Pac-12. Had they done that, like maybe it's good enough to win the college football playoff. I disagree with that because I'm a firm believer in the blue chip ratio and the fact that you know if rosters aren't at a certain level, you're eventually going to be exposed. Hello, Coastal Carolina. Um, but at, at the same time, it, it's just, you know, it, it is that kind of what might've been, but I, I'm with you, Dustin, Jake, any thoughts that you want to add to that? Well, yeah. And that's the thing about it is Utah good football program right now. And yeah, there's a very good chance that they're going to win the Pac-12 South. They're going to play in Las Vegas against Oregon or Oregon State, whoever comes out of the North, and they have an opportunity to hoist that Pac-12 title trophy. Uh, my my thing is, I don't necessarily think that Utah fans in their heart of hearts expect Utah to make the college football playoff, but if they can play in the Rose Bowl, I think they're totally okay with this. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm, I'm going to leave on Dustin because I think he's a little bit more closer to the, to the fan pulse on things here, but I would think that that would be more than satisfactory for this season, especially everything that's going on. Oh, with everything that's gone on and how the team started the season, if they went to the Rose Bowl, win or loss, it's a successful season. Like, there's there's no griping about, oh, well, we could have made the college football playoffs. So there, I'm sure there will be some. There's always fans that are going to say, oh, well, what if we could have been a little bit better if this play didn't go that way, if we made this decision instead of that decision. Like, looking back at the BYU game, if we'd taken the points instead of going for it right at the end of the first half. There's there's always going to be people that play that what-if game, uh, but I think the majority of fans would be ex- ecstatic with a Rose Bowl berth. Pasadena on J- January 1st can't be beat. <laughs> Cannot be beat. Well, I'll see you at Lupe's after the game. And, and while, you know, we like to joke about that kind of stuff, I think uh, now's a good time to talk about how this episode of Locked on Utes is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have defend- dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I don't know about you guys. Growing up, it was all about the Happy Meal for me when they had the Muppet toys. Like I was obsessed. I made my mom drive like three hours because I wanted to see if I could get the the Kermit or the Fozzie. I can't even remember which one it is now. I had to have them all. Um so like those kinds of memories are things that I think about at McDonald's and, and obviously, you know, when I think about McDonald's, it's always that vision of me with a cheeseburger in a hand. You know, I don't know. You guys have particular memories that, that, that tickle your fancy. Oh, the happy meals with hot wheels and Barbies. Me and my sister just 
every day, just let's go to McDonald's. I want a happy meal. I want my hot wheel. I want my Barbie. And, and it's just, it's what the kids want. And see on, on my end, the McDonald's monopoly game for years, that was my, that was my jam. But also I had, I don't know, I countless birthday parties at McDonald's growing up. And there's actually a famous photo. My parents still have to this day of me slumped over in my car seat at two years old fries in one hand for McDonald's and a hamburger in the other. And I am not letting go of either of them, but my head is slumped over and I am dead asleep. So it's been a lifelong thing for me. Yeah. I don't think anybody grows up without having, a, you know, a McDonald's memory being very prominent in, in their mind. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on its watch party? I think we're heading to Dustin's place. Psych. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. Da, 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 da. I'm loving it. I like it. That's a very good jingle. You knocked it out of the park, man. <laughs> Jingles are not my forte. There's no doubt about that. But Welcome back into the Locked On Utes podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Being joined by uh, somebody that, you know, we just talked about McDonald's being a, a big memory for me. I remember listening to the Taxi Squad podcast and, and and all the good memories for that. You know, I used to do deliveries, so it was always on, you know, in my ear and everything like that. Excited to finally get a chance to broadcast a little bit with, with a, you know, in my world, a podcast legend, Dustin. Newman, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about you and, and how your Utes fandom and, and kind of that whole, uh, you know, experience uh, podcasting came to be. So what, do you have a favorite memory uh, of either a Utah game or a player or something like that? Oh, man, that's like asking me to name what to pick which child is my favorite, man. That's that's a tough one. But I would say probably one of my favorite memories that really established my Utah fandom was uh, years, years ago, back in the, in the TD Croshaw days, um, Utah was playing down at Provo and my dad really wanted to go. My dad really wanted tickets. He woke me up that morning, he like jumped on my bag. Like, Hey, you want to go to the Utah BYU game? Like, sure. And we went down there, me, my dad, my sister, um, we, we were sitting behind another group of Utah fans. They had this rolled up sign in front of them for the majority of the game. And in the third quarter, they, they unfurled it and it said CTR and it said, choose the red. And just that whole experience, it was the first time I'd gone to a, a an actual college or NFL, just a, an in-person football game in my life. And it was just the atmosphere, the band, just the passion it hooked me and it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that Utah wins a game. And, and that just, that established my Utah fandom right there. I love that you went with a TD Croshaw reference for the establishment, because that's probably the one name that could link you to both the <laughs> old guard and the new, uh, you know, like I've talked about it a lot. I remember sitting in wooden bleachers and things like that. And Beckles, you know, and, People don't tend to listen to this part, but Jake, a 90s Utah basketball fan, confessed. Yeah, 
I trust me, the Rick <laughs> guilty Maj- as charged. The Rick Majerus era, man. I don't know how anybody could not root for those teams and be be a big fan of them. But the funny thing is that I actually remember that game, that choose the red game. That was actually a really really cool banner. My grandpa had season tickets down there at BYU for years, and he would talk about all those Utah games. But that choose the red one, I actually vividly remember that sign being unfurled. Yeah, I, I believe that was also Fan Tackles the Cheerleader game. I, I believe you are correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun one. It was a good one to be at. Yeah. <laughs> Funny story from that one. If I'm not mistaken, I can't remember. So that was what, 2000? Was it 2005? Or am I? Oh, it's no, earlier, it than, earlier that. than that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is the one where I was sitting next to Cal Beck's mom, and some guy started throwing sunflower seeds at him, and he turned around and gave him the look of death and said, son, don't make me come up there. And everybody in the section went dead quiet. It was the funniest, <laughs> most awesome moment ever. I don't think that Cal Beck is listening, but if somehow uh, uh, that ever gets back to him, his mom was the coolest. But um, that's part of what I think fans and communities uh, really build is, is these memories and these moments and, and, and unification. And, um, you know, I think it's good to see a little bit of that returning in the rivalry with Kyle and, and, and Kalani. Do you have a favorite rivalry moment, Dustin? Uh, ironically, one of my favorite moments from the rivalry where I was experiencing just a super high high was the Harleen game. In that game, Utah, they didn't look good all game long. And then um, uh, I I believe it was Casile caught a a crossing route, wound up scoring in the south end zone right in front of the left pylon. And I was losing my mind, jumping up and down, hugging everybody around me. I had a BYU fan who was right next to me. He was wearing a BYU flag as a cape. And I've got a picture of him, my my, – I cannot remember who was at the game with me. They took a picture of me and there's a picture of him right beside me. And he just looks like his soul is crushed. And I'm on the phone. I called my dad to let him hear how deafening that crowd was. I was just on top of the world. And then just a few minutes later, I'm on my back in the stands of rice Eccles. I probably was the last person out of the stadium that year because I'm just, as soon as he caught that ball, I crumple in the stands. I lay back. Everybody who came to the game with me leaves. Everybody else in the stadium leaves. I'm there's maybe 10 people by the time I finally stand up and walk out of that stadium dejected overall miserable but that's probably one of the highest highs when Castile scored that touchdown that I've ever experienced in that stadium. That's an incredible memory. Um, but I think that's also a good reminder of why like rivalry games matter, right? Like I grew up going to games with my family. It's like, that was a family family thing for you. Uh, what, so let me ask, you know, is, is the entire family Utah fans? Was this one where you were kind of born into it or was it one where you kind of grew into it? I was definitely born into it up until that TD Croshaw game. It was more just kind of casual. Like we, we would kind of follow what happened if Utah won that week, if Utah lost that week, but it wasn't, it wasn't a Saturday appointment like it has been for years and years and years now. 
So 19, and, 1999 is when you got hooks. That's that. That's the TD Croshaw game. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and that's that, that's right as I was coming into my teens when I was able to to really understand the game, to follow the game, to make decisions on my own of what I wanted to do on the weekends. So it, it, it was kind of a perfect time, a perfect storm of getting hooked to it, Utah winning, so it pushes me more that way. I was already born into Utah fandom, and that's, that's who we cheered for. Um, and then right before I started buying my own season tickets was turning into the 2000s. Uh, I remember being extremely upset uh, when we fired coach because you just beat BYU. Like, how do you fire your coach when you beat your rival? That doesn't make any sense. And uh, one of my best friends at the time was a BYU fan and we would play NCAA football together and he would, uh, when, when they hired Urban Meyer, we would play Utah against BYU and he would call him Oscar Meyer every time I showed the coach on the game. And uh, so it, it, it built in a rivalry. We had a fantasy football league that was BYU fans versus Utah fans. And uh, right about as we were getting into the 2000s, my, my dad actually worked for uh, the newspaper agency. So he would get tickets every once in a while. So we went to a bunch of games. We went to the the Air Force game, I, I believe it was 2003, where they lost. Uh, they were going for a two-point conversion. And I want to say it was Daryl Post and took the handoff and had just a hole the size he could drive a semi-truck through to the right. And he just ran into his lineman on the left. And they lost to Air Force. And just, I got hooked. And it was the perfect time to be getting tickets and thinking about buying your season tickets you go right into 2003, 2004. Like, okay, I want to experience this every single week. And actually the Arizona state game is the first home game that I had missed. I believe since 2007 and COVID just wrecked it. So a little sad, but that would have been an amazing game to be at, but Say la vie. Something's happened. It's uh, you know there are a few where I've 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 I didn't miss a ton growing up to be honest with you. Uh, you know there was uh, you know, a few little league games here and there, um, but it, I think there's an element that this season for me especially like trying to be in the stands, trying to watch the games, you know, to kind of get the experience of of being in the stadium again and everything like that has been. Uh, Pretty influential um, and and admittedly emotional too. Um, has has your fandom changed at all because of the off field stuff that's happened this season? You know, um, I think some people may be taking a step back. For me, I think what it's really done is it's unified. You know, what my role is in this weird Utah family, kind of being slash half media, half fan. You know, but not like either really fully invested in both. Has, has yours adjusted in any, in any way because of that? I've, I've made a very concerted effort to not get as low as I used to, to not overreact when things aren't going well. I, like, I, I'm a very emotional person. When things are really high, when things are going good, I'm pumped, I'm over the top. That's not going to change. But when things are going bad and things are struggling, like it's, it's put it all in, into perspective. And... You know, I 
I, I, I actually tweeted a photo after one of the losses. I don't remember if it was San Diego State or BYU pulled my daughter while she's sleeping on my chest saying like, okay, maybe a bunch of college kids playing a game isn't that big of a deal. And you combine getting older, becoming a father with everything that's happened to this team and how realistically, how not serious any of it is. It's changed a lot for me in that respect. Well, I, I think that's the I think that's the best point about all of this is fandoms. It stands for fanatic. I think that's how everybody is. You you react in the moment. Like the first three games of the year, I don't blame any Utah fan for being upset. But the last three games, so in, in terms, if you take these three games, you two, do two halves with these six games, well, you're you're going to be ecstatic right now. So I I can actually I commend you for that because a lot of the off the field stuff, the on field product, it's been up and down all season long. Brian and I have been chronicling it all the way along here daily, and man, it's been up, down, and inside out, it feels like, all the time. Yeah. It's 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 not made it easy, I'll say, but in, in terms of perspective, like, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, there's going to be years like this where it looks like Utah's pretty much on a path to, to win the Pac-12 South, there are going to be years in the future where Utah goes three and nine, where they go four and eight. It's, it's just going to happen. Like no matter how good things are, they will always come back down and no matter how bad they are, they'll always come back up. And at the end of the day, it's, it's college kids playing a game. Like it it's, it's fun and we are fanatics, like you said, but it's, it's good to have that type of perspective. I wish it didn't come at the the lives of two great young adults, but it came. So, and what I really hope happens is I hope that the fan base recognizes and realizes that it's you know it is just college kids playing a game, but we play a vital role not so much in in the wins and losses aspect of it and what happens on the field, but in nurturing and caring and supporting these guys and, and, and doing things and finding ways to reach out and build the culture around it. You know, whether it's if people have opportunities to do some name, image and likeness things, or, you know, buy a Britain Covey t-shirt or, you know, Xavier Carlton hat or something like that. You know, those are the little things that this fan base does so well, just in, in everyday life that I think if they continue to do that off the field not only does it numb the pain of those losses but it builds a it builds a part inside of you where you're not just somebody buying a ticket and sitting in a uh, sitting in the stands expecting wins you're contributing to building something that's really bigger than you and and i think you know one thing that stuck to me from the the post game was devin lloyd's comments about how the university of utah really cares and it's really a family he didn't say the football team he didn't say the administration in utah you know athletics he said the university of utah and that includes fans boosters you know staff and and, and everybody on campus and teachers and all that kind of stuff and so you know i think for utah fans they're learning you know this whole pac 12 thing is a new experience for them uh, but this, I think, is going to be one of those pivotal moments where you're going to see something really special develop amongst the fan base. And, and people are still going to lose their mind, you know, down the roads over losses and things like that. And, you know, but I think what really Utah can show is, is what a great community is. And I hope uh, that really stands out. Um, we could do this all night long, but uh, we do have to let everybody know that 
betonline.ag is back and better than ever a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props odds and lines than ever before uh dustin do you dabble i used to dabble i used to make a weekly like insane 12 to 14 team parlay every week just i want it it was really small amount of skittles that you put on it (laughs) but the return was just it was a warehouse of Skittles, basically. You're, you're our type of guy that if that's what you're doing, we like that. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's very, it was very low risk, but it gave me rooting interest in all the games that I wanted to watch that day. And that's what makes it fun, especially if it's smart about it. You know, gambling's very, it, it's, it can be risky, but as long as, you, as long as you do it the right way and it's entertainment the way that it's meant to be, it's really fun. It is, and and I, you know, like Jake said, you're definitely a locked on Utes uh, 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 part of the family. If that's the way that you go about your betting, I had a friend the other day. I uh, hit a, a big parlay, um, and that's the best part about BetOnline.ag. They offer more props, more parlays, more options than anybody else. And if you go over to their new uh, mobile website, you can sign up today and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus. So you can really make that warehouse full of Skittles flow and taste the rainbow. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus uh, from basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right up to having your favorite Vegas casino games there on the site. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. You know those parlays. They're actually the reason I have a strong dislike of our beloved Ducks. I had made, <laughs> I had made this huge twelve-team parlay. I had hit on eleven of them, and it was coming down to Oregon versus Michigan State, and I had taken Michigan State to cover. And Oregon had the ball up by, I want to say they were up by like six or seven, something like that. I think the spread was eight and a half. And they had the ball. It was under two minutes. It was third and six. All they need to do, pick up the first down. They can kneel it out. Game's over. They pick up the first down. There's nobody in front of the running back. He takes it all the way to the house. Oregon covers. That was going to give me 12,000 bags of Skittles. And that garbage time touchdown destroyed me. <laughs> I hope that somewhere Stanford Steve is listening and that we feel we see an update on bad beats someday. Back here on the Locked On Youths podcast, wrapping up a really fun episode. Uh, you know, I have to first off, I have to thank Dustin for reaching out and saying, Hey, I want to come on the podcast uh, because that's kind of how it has to go with me. Like, give me that little nudge, that reminder. Um, I love doing this because I love hearing people's stories and the memories that stick out. It's, it's always so much fun. And because I have my own memories too. And, and I think somebody who's been going to games and, and following this team as long as I have. Uh, uh, it's fun to get back in touch with the nostalgia and the fan part of it. I think that's something where you've kind of experienced both sides, having done podcasting and some media work now kind of going back into being a casual fan. Uh, was that an adjustment at all for you? Not really. I, I never really considered myself part of the actual media just because I, I wasn't going to practices. I wasn't going to media availability. I wasn't in the scrum with a microphone trying to get quotes. It was just, 
it was a fan with a couple of other fans talking about sports. You know, it was, it was less media and it was more just fan service, fans talking to fans. You know, it, it, it mixed in the media a little bit. You know, we had Jake Scott, we had, we had uh, Tony Jones, we had Keith Stubbs on the show, we had uh, Scott Gerard on the show. Yeah. We, we had a lot of those on the show. I think one, at one point we, we interviewed, um, oh, I'm going to completely space his name, the guard that they took from Michigan. Um, Trey Burke. We had, yes, Trey Burke. We had Trey Burke's parents on. Uh, at one point, we were going to interview Rudy Gobert, and then the Jazz heard about it, and they put the, the kibosh on that. But uh, but we, we dabbled into it a little bit, but for the most part, it was just it was a couple of a couple of Utah fans, and later on, a, a BYU fan just just getting together and talking sports like we all do on the weekends. Well, and one thing I think that was really unique about you guys is you had a, a, a way of getting people super comfortable with the show and, and, and opening up. And I remember listening to the Scotty G and the Jake Scott episode, and I'm a, I'm a Utah sports radio junkie. And, and so in a weird space, those guys were my heroes, you know, because I started listening to them when I was still in college and, and when I was listening to the Jim Rome show and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> And hearing their backgrounds and their personal stories and everything like that, it was it was really fun for me. And 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 so you know, I I don't know if the episodes are still posted somewhere. That would be awesome if they were. Um, but they, they, they might be. I'm not sure. Knows. Yeah, yeah. You got to reach out to Chance for that one. Who, by the way, he's he's the whole reason that it it kind of delved into the the more personal aspect of all those interviews. I, I was sports guy. I was like, I want to talk about sports. I want to talk about the upcoming game. I want to get your opinion on what happened last weekend. And, and Chance was the one bringing you guys on. Like, all right, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your background. Let's talk about where you came from. You know, he had other guests on who weren't in the same realm. He had like uh, Zach Robinson, who's on the Sandy City Council now. And, and we had uh, Amy Donaldson. And Amy was a complete, like almost no sports interview with her. It's just about life and about who she was and what she stood for. And, and that was all chances work. Yeah. Amy is a really fascinating person. And, and when you get a chance to talk to her a little bit more personally, she has some incredible stories and incredible experience. Um, I think there's also a point to this too, that, that Utah's got a big game coming up against Oregon state. I know you still being a very invested fan. Uh, what do you think of the Utes going into this game? And, and do you have any keys necessarily for them to get a win up there on uh, in the uh, the rainy valley of Corvallis. Uh, Oregon State is a really well coached team right now. They're, 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 they don't have the skill players. They're, they're in the middle of a rebuild right now, but they're coached really, really well. They have a really good offensive system. They've looked really good on the season. I mean, they're four and two. They're in first place in the North. Who would have ever seen that coming at the beginning of the year with how they finished last year? They start off the season with a loss to Purdue, but that loss is looking better and better with each week with how Purdue is playing right now. And and outside of last week's loss to Washington State, which kind of shocked me. You know, you go into that game assuming Oregon State's going to win that one. They look better. Washington State, I mean, they're probably right on the same level in terms of the athletes that they bring in. They're, they're two areas that are probably pretty hard to recruit up to. They're not big-name programs, but I would. that's a game that I would have expected Oregon State to win. 
And I, I think the key for Utah is just you have to go up there. You just have to do your job. You don't. I don't think you have to do anything fancy. I don't think you're going to need any USC flea flickers to beat this team. But you have to be assignment sound. You have to protect in the one game. Know your lanes because they, they, they're going to be able to beat you if you're not assignment sound. That's what comes from playing a very well-coached team. You have to be assignment sound. That's what it's going to take to beat Oregon State this week. Well, that, that's the thing about it. I, I think this is going to be a proving ground game for Utah because earlier on this season, we saw it in that BYU game. If Utah got handled in the run game, and Oregon State is the best running team in the Pac-12 right now. Both their running backs, very, very good. If Utah can prove that they have fixed their run defensive issues, the funny thing is that's going to prove that Utah is a serious contender to win the entire Pac-12 this year because if they can do this against Oregon State, they can do it against UCLA. They'll be able to do it against the better teams they're going to face the rest of the way this season, and there's a big test this weekend in Corvallis. I, I like the comparison to you at, to UCLA because UCLA is the same type of team where they're they're going to try and beat you with the run. They've got really good running backs, and that's exactly what Oregon State is. It's it's kind of a good tune up game for UCLA because Oregon State is almost a UCLA light. You know, if you want to see how good Oregon State is at running the ball, just look at the Washington game. Their quarterback went seven of fifteen for forty eight yards, and they won that game. If, if your quarterback can throw for 48 yards and you still win a game, it's because you can run the heck out of the ball. And they can, and, and they can do it in a variety of ways. Um, you know, I, I, I think Chance Nolan, our good friend Hans Olsen, was, was pointing some clips. Like, he's a tough runner. Uh, but if you get him into bad situations where he has to throw the football, uh, which goes back to what Dustin was saying earlier, um, you know, if you if you jump out on this team early on and force them into an uncomfortable style of offense where they have to throw the football, you know, I, I talked with Steve Bartle uh, last night. I can't remember which podcast is. We did too, but um, my thought was that the best matchup was Chance Nolan versus this Utah secondary because. I think that's what's coming with this Utah football team. I think they know the slow starts are not acceptable. I think the defense is going to be dialed in. I think they've got a point to prove. And, and while that is an exceptional front, you know, uh, down line for Oregon State, this is a really solid front seven for Utah. And they're not like we're to the point now where execution is a big thing, but but also Utah's not going to fool around in the game plan in this game. They're going to do what works, and they're going to do it from the start. You know, the tape's out there, so I. I I think it's a fascinating matchup. Uh, I don't know if either of you have a score prediction or maybe like a thought on what the eventual outcome is, but I'll open up the floor for that for sure. Go ahead. You know, I, I, I will touch. Uh, you, you mentioned Hans Olsen sending out those tweets, the, the film breakdown that he does. And he kind of saw, you saw Nolan taking it towards the Washington state uh, linebacker. If he tries to do that against, against Reed or Devin Lloyd, I think it's going to be a lot harder, and he's he's going to second he's going to give a second thought to that uh, once he takes that hit, as opposed to a Washington State linebacker. I think coming down the alley against Kamoi Latu is a bad idea for everyone right now. Oh yeah, like like that dude is. Jake and I have talked about this. He's got to be careful because he's going to hurt himself. But he's coming with with hate in his heart and a love for the football game, and and I love that about him with this defense. Uh, Jake, do you have any predictions or any ideas? So. 
I've got a suspicion that Oregon State's going to be quite a stiff test for Utah. They've proven to be a hard-nosed team. I think Jonathan Smith has done a wonderful job rebuilding that program on the fly because they were in the dumpster, and they were dumpster fire when he first got there. I think Utah's going to go up there and win, though. I think this is Utah has got some swagger to them. They've got some momentum, obviously, starting Pac-12 play 3-0. and I think this is a statement game for them. It's going to be a close one, but I do think Utah wins it in the end. I'm thinking something like Utah 24, Oregon State 20, somewhere in that range. That, that feels right. Oregon State, what I'm expecting from this weekend is – is kind of like a, an old school throwback to when we played Air Force or one of the service academies. If you jump out on them and you make them try to throw the ball, you can win this game easily. Every Utah's always kind of struggled with teams like Air Force. Those games have always been close. Even going back to, to 2004, 2008, some of the great Utah teams, they struggled with Air Force. That was always a game that, that – you never really felt comfortable about. That's kind of how I feel about this Oregon State game. Like Utah should be able to win, and it wouldn't surprise me if, at all if they came out and they 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 played the way they should from kickoff and they won this game, thirty-eight to fourteen. But a grind-out game, twenty-four to twenty-one, also wouldn't surprise me at all. Like this could go either way. Yeah, I, I think weather will play a factor in this game to a degree. I, I think Utah is going to come out. I don't think this is a team where you're going to have to worry about letdowns and things like that, but you're still going to have to battle for everything, and especially against a squad that in Oregon State is coming off a bye, has, has a strong running game. They're going to try and match physicality with Utah. That'll be the real question is, is can they last? You know, And, and I think this is, might be a game where Utah depth gets tested a little bit as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, I feel I'm in agreement with you guys. This is a team that is is on a particular mission and and showing a lot of grit and toughness. And I think they're playing very inspired football and and for the right reasons, right? They're not out there to win because they want championships. And I think that's part of the problem uh, in in those first couple of games. Is football was no longer fun. Football has a purpose for them now, and it's about you know love and caring for your teammates. And they talk about you know their teammates at the loss and every every single thing. And I worried how that would affect them with Ty having gone what they've gone through with Aaron. I, I, I think it's just it's become a part of this team to, to be 22 percent better, as they say. And so I think that's likely, you know, w- w- what we see in this game. And, and however that score breaks out, I'm terrible at score predictions. I don't think I've ever gotten one right, uh, especially not on the podcast. Um, but uh that being said, I do think that Utah wins this one in a gritty effort. Uh, we could go on. Literally, I say this, but we literally could go all night. You know, uh, this this is a group of guys that that loves football and, and loves sports and loves talking about sports. Uh, but I do want to give Dustin just a little bit of an open floor, finish this thing off, and, and say thank you for joining us. And and you know what a good time it was for me personally, and I'm sure Jake feels the same way. But any any final thoughts as we wrap this thing up? You know, I just. I don't really have like a closing thought or anything like that. I think we've covered pretty much any, everything we'd want to cover. Everything that I would say about the situations that this team has faced has been said already. It's, 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 it's a hard thing to talk about. One thing that's actually been on my mind lately that I just want to give credit to coach Whittingham about is his ability to learn and adjust what he used to do versus what he's required, what's required of him in the Pac-12. 
I think we all have vivid nightmares of when we first came into the Pac-12 of watching teams, especially like Arizona State, just run crossing route after crossing route and exposing the lack of athleticism and speed at the linebacker position and his ability to change his defensive philosophy and who he recruited at the linebacker position to the point where just player after player after player, you can go back years and years and years all the way to Gianni Paul and Jared Norris, just Francis Bernard, one after the other of him putting linebackers in position to take care of that. No, there's been situations where Utah was left without a quarterback because of how he recruit of his recruiting philosophy of only bringing in one, one quarterback. Now he's got two coming in the next class. He just, he learns and he adapts and he changes. And I don't think that's appreciated enough when people talk about Whittingham. I can tell you this much, Dustin. You're the best Utah social open playing partner I've ever had. Let's just put it that oh. way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have been the most entertaining. I might be able to talk, talk myself, but, uh, Definitely not the best golfer that you played with in the hey, Utah Open. I still had a blast. I look forward to doing it, it again. That soon. was a lot of fun. I was once I saw I was paired up with you because I've I've listened to you on the radio for years. Yeah, and once I saw that I was paired up with you, I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. And it didn't take long for me to see, okay, this is why this guy works in sports media because <laughs> I think it was the second hole you were busted off. Like, oh yeah, that guy he played for the '87 Bears and they won this. He, he was drafted in this round. He went here. He went there. Just just an encyclopedia of knowledge. It was impressive to hear over 18 holes, but that was a lot of fun. Yeah, people don't know this, but the C in Jacob C Hatch actually stands for Schwab, as in stump <laughs> the Schwab. Uh, <laughs> That was a good show. That was a good show. It's just the Utah County spelling, so that's why it's different. There we go. Yeah, we'll go with that. Jake is the best encyclopedia of sports knowledge ever. Listen, fellas, like I said earlier, I I love doing this. Thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight. Obviously, Jake's here a lot, but uh, Dustin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for letting me on, man. I would come on this show any day of the week. Any day you needed me, I'd come on in a heartbeat. So thank you for giving me the chance, man. Well, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to do this and, and, you know, I hope to continue to do this kind of thing as, as the year rolls on and, and even further, uh, like I've said before, it's about the community and, and this podcast doesn't happen without people listening and, and chiming in. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have a lot of, a lot of work going on in my life right now. So if I get chippy with people, just, just know it's not, not because I dislike anybody. I really do appreciate everybody chiming in. Uh, you know, it, and it really makes the show so much better. So, so thanks for showing up. Uh, I'm going to cut this thing off. Uh, I won't do the Tony Kornheiser and just say thank you and sign off, but I will say this, you know, we appreciate everybody listening. You can find us, uh, on all major platforms and follow us there, but also get all of your daily PAC 12 news in less than 30 minutes with PAC 12 expert Cindy Robinson. You might want to tune in next Monday because I hear there's going to have a special guest host there or two hint, hint, nudge, nudge. It's a locked on youth's takeover. Uh, this is, uh, let me close this out. We like you. We love you. Be well, stay well. Do we, we appreciate everybody joining us. This has been the locked on youth's podcast. For October 22nd, 2021, and we will talk to you again on Monday.